Okay, hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business, half-hour podcast, enough time for two consecutive power naps. Uh, and you will you will sleep soundly, I assure you. If you know me and you know this podcast, you will get such good sleep. After making it through, you can accomplish anything if you listen to this. Um, I should do an ad, like, is there anything strong enough to keep you awake during my podcast it would have to be vietnamese coffee that is so strong that takes like two or three days for me to recover from uh and it's what hey it's what kept the vietnamese in that war it kept uh you know that country united it kept america at bay isn't that crazy it kept china at bay they were on vietnamese coffee it's tough to come down okay uh, no idea what day of the week this is coming out is it consistent enough does it even matter anymore right everything is so fluid Everything is streaming. I feel like that's why there's the Lord's Day. God knew all this was coming and just said, you'll thank me later. You know, you'll see. In about 2021, entertainment is going to get so fragmented and be so multi-sourced, you're going to be begging for some finite stationary day that everyone can cling to and reset on. You'll thank me. Uh, and he was right. She, it, thou, he, they. Um, God was right. Maybe that's the point of this whole thing is God. You don't pronoun God. You just say God. It's three letters, right? He is two. Her, she, three. So just say God. Uh, I do think we need one Sunday night show at 7 p.m. Uh, 7 p.m. all time zones. Not necessarily like 60 minutes, but some kind of variety show that people in this country watch and feel wholesome again about United, something family-oriented like a Dolly Parton or Mandrell Sisters or something you know, that we used to have in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, a mix of musical artists and hosts and celebrities. Um, you know, Johnny Carson was that every night for years. Um, he was the, through line, the thoroughfare, like you did that show, you were seen. That's kind of everybody went through there. You could announce something there and everybody would see it. Now everything is so blown out that it's like, can something be consistent and on channel two or four, the traditionals, you know? Um, and maybe that's what's helped keep the NFL thriving. You know, it's on Sunday. It's a finite day, a finite product. People know what they're getting. It's established $10 billion a year industry, probably nine, somewhere in there. My God, $10 billion a year. Okay. Anyway, um, so this episode 69, making it versus not making it is what kind of, I'm going to call it. Um, where, how are we doing on time? I think we might make it to 30. Okay, we're at three now, so we're a tenth of the way there. I want to talk uh, today, tonight, whenever this comes out, about making it versus not making it, right, in any business. What is making it, right? In my business, show business, which is, or maybe was, I don't know if it is now, but it was show business, uh, people talk about making it. The image is that making it is being enormously successful. You have to you know, to host the Tonight Show, you have to be on SNL, you have to win an Academy Award uh, of some sort, have a show on the air for 10 years that, that receives Emmys, um, multiple platinum albums. Ice Cube talks about how everyone, everyone wants the frosting, right? Everyone wants the absolute-ist imagist of success. You know, starting quarterback, nightclubs, living on a yacht, mansion living, um, 
you know, but making it, just making it as an actor, a musician, painter, photographer, comedian, any of that is impressive. And that can mean $30,000 a year, 40000 a year, 50000 a year, a livable wage, whatever that is, you know. Because, um, like, in show business, I swear to God, in, in, in show business, everybody's trying for, like, 10 different careers. People either want to be Spielberg, they want to be... Um, uh, 1989 album. What's the 1980? Uh, I was Faith Hill, Hillary Duff, Taylor Swift. All those names blend. That shows you how out of touch I am. But everybody wants those uh, to be one of those people. You know what I mean? So um, nobody really wants to create their own thing. Um, they want to be Seinfeld. They want to be Leonardo DiCaprio. They want to be you know, whomever, but it's like 10, it's like millions of people are trying to be 10 different people. It's not going to happen. Okay. So a livable wage, if you've earned, if you earn a livable wage doing your craft, you've made it because that's what the system was paying you to do. And now you've gone outside the system and you're making that as an independent. Okay. You've made that much money on your own. That's making it. All right. Anything after that is gravy. Um, the assumption is that, oh, you're only making that much in the arts. Let's say as an actor, you know, you've only made that much as an actor. You could have made a lot more working in insurance or real estate or Wall Street or construction. You know, you could have made so much more, but what, but you wouldn't have been happy. And you wouldn't have created that from nothing. Someone really wants to start a construction company. Go, go after it. And it shows and you succeed. But if you want, if you go into it half-ass, it's like doesn't matter how much you make, and if you hate it and hate your life and yourself and your job and your family, kids, then what's the point? No matter how much you're making, right? We see a lot of that. Um, the room for growth is amazing when you're doing your own thing. Your schedule and soul are free. Uh, it's also scary. The accountability is huge. Now, some start in the arts, they give it a shot, and eventually say, "Screw it." I didn't know I'm going to have to work that hard or be that good or these other parts of the business that you never saw, like I've never seen. I had no idea social media would be such a big deal about stand-up. You know, nobody did right when I started. Um, you know, you thought it was about writing and performing and it didn't matter what you look like and you didn't have to post mediocre stuff multiple times a day. That's what it's become. Not that great writing still doesn't get you far. All right. I say stay the course. Uh, but some people say, screw it, take the office job, get their creative outlet through that, whatever it is. Maybe they get a fix once a month doing comedy or they stay in an acting class or Bible study or whatever. No problem there, right? The end of the fabulous Baker Boys, good movie. The suburban brother goes on to teach kids in the suburbs, teaches music or piano or something. The other brother goes and does cruise ships or something, not sure. So, you know, different paths, right? Um, but the, the whole thought process of people not making it um doing their own thing like oh they never made it doing their own thing that whole thing a livable wage or doing something you love is better than being rich and miserable i grew up in orange county and there are plenty of dads growing up who are rich uh and their kids and such and they live in a double guard gate community but they're always in a bad mood i see so many bad mood dads here and uh maybe people are in bad moods all over probably but I'm just like, how can you be in a bad mood? You got the beautiful wife, the kids, they're all, they're doing well in sports. They look good. You got them nicely dressed and a nice car. You live in a great house. Who knows, right? Who knows? Plenty of people like what they do 
that are rich. So I don't want to pile on there. Um, but let's look at people who leave. I mean, I, if I still have listeners after this, I'm amazed. I'm eight minutes in. Okay. Let's look at people who, uh, let's, let's look at people who leave wherever they are to come to Hollywood or show business or Southern California, which you don't need to do anymore. The internet can really launch someone from anywhere. I don't know if that's weakened Hollywood at all. Probably. It's probably weakened at the middle of the pack, the associate producers. So some of the lower uh, revenue shows. You know, they don't need to go through Hollywood. They can just make, uh, you know, stuff about home renovation or swamp, you know, life or life in the Appalachians or on the Mississippi. Um, Little House on the Prairie. Was that in Minnesota? Um, so the non-revenue perform performance artists and actors and performers, they, they weren't affected as much because they weren't making money anyway and were already doing their thing for free. Um, and the studios, the upper, the upper end, the studios still can put a Leonardo in a movie and it'll make plenty. So the rich and the poor weren't affected in terms of show business revenue. The middle was weakened, which I don't mind in some ways. I had to take lip from so many mediocre people calling themselves producers over the years. I'm like, what is your value? Okay. There's no difference between you and someone who works at a gas station or a Walmart, which aren't bad jobs, but at least they are doing that for money and not didn't leave that job um, to come be a producer doing something just as uncreative as you were at that job. Why did you come from Pennsylvania to be this overseer in show business without anything? The non-creatives in a creative endeavor. It's brutal. It's brutal. What are you doing here? Yeah. What are you doing in show business? Um, that always drove me crazy. Get out, get like, get out, get off the stage. You part-timer. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that makes sense. I'm looking at it. Okay. But let's look at people who move from Florida or Wisconsin and never make it quote unquote, make it as a performer. Their parents are disappointed, whatever, right? Maybe they return to their hometown. Maybe they don't. Michael Connell's got a great quote in one of his movies where he says, uh, he says to his landlord who wants rent, he says, when will the smallness of your job overwhelm you? You know? And I thought that's such a good line that I want to talk to like a segment producer or, or an associate producer. It's like, why are you even in this business? If you're just here to like, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So let's look at people move from Florida, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, whatever, upstate New York, Iowa, Texas, their parents might be disappointed. Uh, and maybe they quit show business, return to their hometown. Maybe they don't, there shouldn't be disappointment there. Okay. One, they pursued or are pursuing a dream. All right. Don't we stress that to kids the world over when they're growing up? So whether they have success or failure, they're going to learn a ton. Okay. Because it's not failure. It's learning. Um, you know, a professional athlete coming out of college after their sophomore year, coming right out of high school in negotiations with the team, the owners, their management, their business office, his agent, her agent. Um, they're going to learn more about economics and business and life in that first meeting and that first month than you would have ever learned in college so much. And I don't know, people aren't emotionally, mentally ready sometimes. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about that shooting for the stars, 
failing and by failing you at least learned and you at least tried and you're whatever you do next if you have the right attitude and the right mind frame then you're going to excel because you're like oh i push this to the limit i'm just going to find my talent whatever it is i'm going to max this out max this out sports at first as a kid okay physically not there mentally maybe maybe physically i could have if i was mentally prepared knew how to train whatever um max that out then you're going to max out these other interests maybe comedy and who knows if that's going to open up ever uh now what is it so what's the next thing and with each thing you'll get better um so i'm a middle of the road comic i hope i don't know and i at least have seen the world and know where i went wrong where i went right and what works and what doesn't in my business and it's not failures right they're learning experiences well, I don't put my I don't put myself what I have learned, I don't put myself out there personally and emotionally very much, which has limited me as a person, as a performer. Um, but I've put myself out there professionally and that's been all the difference, right? Given this stand up thing a shot, writing, creating, getting in front of the camera, right? Conveying, acting out the absurdities of life, which I love, get people to laugh, getting laughter, generating a specific desired response, making people think. It frees up your mind living, you know, the way you want to. Uh, it helps you see who really does things in society and who is just, you know, because so many of us on the planet, high school, college, easy, secure job, life, family, mortgage, you know, I should probably adopt a little of that structure. Maybe I have in the last few months. But for the most part, I'm happy with having rolled the dice. To me, the roll of the dice is not going for it. That's rolling the dice when you don't go for it, when you don't take a bite out of life. All right. Um Okay, so you really go for it and you miss. That wisdom you take away is invaluable, right? I'd rather have that than wondering what if. You aren't necessarily able to correct it and move in a more successful direction, um, but you at least know what didn't work. That's what I have written. You know what didn't work, and that's a huge lesson. Um, You see the world uh, as a wiser person, all aspects. Okay, it's freeing. It's freeing. Uh, You travel around. You see people that either didn't follow their dreams or didn't have them in the first place, and maybe they're financially sound, and maybe they're fine with that. Um, You know, but there is some to exhausting a dream. Okay, we're halfway through. Why do I have to check? I can't remember 30 minutes. Um, There is something to exhausting a dream, to taking it full the full the full length right it exposes you to yourself which is the greatest you can separate yourself uh hopefully from your ego when you do that perception of what you are and go back to the drawing board okay by leaving i don't think i'm gonna get to 30 minutes again i've never not gotten to it so why do i say that and by leaving wisconsin florida north carolina pennsylvania you made room for someone that maybe really did want that job in the local insurance agency or real estate agency or plumber or contractor or whatever right hardware store you know um and by the way when you go to those towns and get a plumber or a painter for your home a car salesman that's what they do they're not going to slide you a headshot because you're they're also a commercial actor trying to get work or side parts okay that profession is what they do kind of nice I remember a cop, my buddy Josh and I, we were kicking someone out of Josh, Josh's house. He was trying to squat. This is in Hollywood years ago, up on Franklin. 
I think it was one. It was near the old Beetle, where the Beatles lived for a second. Who knows? I'm sure everybody says that about every freaking neighborhood in the world. George Harrison used to live there. Really, he's never never stepped foot in the entire country. Oh. Um. Okay, there was a cop, and he found out that we were like, I don't know. Josh is heavy, heavy writer. I'm writer, performer, whatever. He found out that my buddy Josh was a writer, and he's like, "Oh, can I, can I give you my screenplay?" He was, uh, he was a cop on, he was the lead cop on this ousting of this squatter. This guy wouldn't leave the home. It's crazy. So they had to call in a cop. He had to bring in two guys, and he was telling us while they were marching him out. He's telling us the log line of his, of his um, screenplay. It's hilarious. Um, so by leaving your hometown, following your dream, you freed up two different avenues of energy, right? Your own by following a dream, no matter how unprepared you were, but also the opening you left behind for someone who really wants it or really needed it and didn't care about uh, above the line additional things. They were more worried about survival, right? They weren't worried about the big time, the money, the glory, the fun. They weren't worried about survival. For me, the money, the glory, the fun is the survival. Okay. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I don't want to not be going after something bigger. Um, so it's like a toxic relationship or a good relationship that someone doesn't want to be in anymore. You have to leave it. Like, leave it. Because there's someone else that person would be better with. And someone else you'd be better with. Um... Man, I'm getting blown up here. I don't know what's going on. So by leaving and following your dream, you freed up two different avenues of energy. Okay? Do we get that? Um, now let's talk about coming up short here. Whatever that means, coming up short. Just decline that really quick. I'm getting a call to do a, I'm getting a call right now to do another podcast. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, coming up short does not mean failing in my eyes coming up short means not trying that's what it is i remember someone giving crap to matt leinert the former usc quarterback for not having the best pro career in the nfl this is a guy who won a heisman trophy which by the way he several heisman trophies winners haven't gone out of pro careers it's a different game once you're in the pros and you now have a target on your back and front uh, so someone, a fan or some social media, I don't know what outlet, but he was trying to make fun of Leinert. Matt Leinert was saying he was a wash-up or, or, or uh, never has been a has-been or never was or um, a bust. That's a term that's commonly used. And Matt Leinert defended himself. He's like, you kidding me? Like, I played on a national championship team. I won a Heisman. Like, what have you done with your life? And I was so happy that it was like, yeah, like he's done great things. And now he's a very successful broadcaster. Matt Leiner won a Heisman, played with another Heisman Trophy winner in Reggie Bush, and they won a national title, maybe two, and almost won three um, in a row, I think, against uh, Texas, you know, save for a, an absolute incredible all-star performance by Vince Young without him, you know. But they could have had three straight, I think. Uh, he went on to play Matt Leinart for the Arizona Cardinals, retired, and is now a sports broadcaster. Very good at it, right? He's always in primetime uh, college. And this is someone who didn't make it? Yeah, I don't think so. But someone who hates themselves in their life felt the need to uh, lash out at him on that. Okay. So um, it's a very shallow way of thinking. It's a very shallow way of thinking. In Japan, the runner-up gets so much more credit. 
I don't know about a lot of other countries. I will say my friend Chris was in South America. I think it was in Argentina watching a soccer match when we were kids. And he came back and he was like, man, the soccer game came down to penalty kicks. And the goalie missed a penalty kick. They lost the game. The crowd is crying. People could people, There were people praying, of course, like there was. Uh, there were people turned around facing the other way because um, they couldn't watch the kick. The, the goalie, the, the crowd, the, the losing side, they're crying. The goalie comes running over, crying, and takes rips his jersey off and throws it into the crowd. And they, they applauded him, and they loved him, and it was like life, man. It was unbelievable, right? And I was like, wow, that's the weight. I mean, you know, a great effort deserves that. A great effort deserves that kind of love, even in losing, right? Obviously, the winner gets the glory, but in Japan and, and some of these other countries, they really embrace the second-place finisher as well. Even, you know, in other countries, a lot of times, the runner-ups for the final four of any sport, they, they battle for third and fourth place. So they have the championship game, um, and but before that, the third and fourth-place teams play to see who's going to get third and fourth. The, the runner-ups, right? And then you have the final game. Uh, I don't know that that would ever be the thing in the States. I just don't know. I think America is so focused on that number one top slot, all that money. Uh, I feel like over time in America, we do recognize the effort of the runner-up. It takes a while, you know. I'd like to write a book on the Super Bowl runner-ups if they had won the Super Bowl, like a couple pages on each Super Bowl. That that might be something I could do, right? I'll tell you, with 55 Super Bowls or whatever, that's that's at least, you know, that's 150 pages, which is about all, all. I mean, if I can write a 150-page book, that would be a miracle. But I'm obsessed with Super Bowls. I'm a nerd. I played, so I can be a football nerd because I played football, which is kind of weird, too, because I don't always like when it's like, ah, oh, you're too cool to be a nerd for this thing that you are once of. But whatever, I played. <coughs> there are comic book nerds that were never Superman. Anyway, uh, so second place shouldn't be as disgraceful, right? To hear Troy Aikman talk about Jim Kelly with such high esteem speaks volumes, says it all. That's what retirement's about. That's what they get to do now. Good for them. Uh, In the field of battle, anything goes, right? Those cowboy teams were loaded, so there's no shame in losing to them um, or the Miami Hurricane teams. Um, you know, I didn't like those teams, but I admired and respect those teams, right? Now, you still want to win and give it your all and all that, but the only shame is not trying, giving in to fear, right? That's the only shame. My dad was born in Detroit, moved to Toledo as a kid, stayed a Lions fan for life. He used to be amazed that the Bills, Buffalo Bills, got so much guff. He'd say, I'd love if the Lions made it to four straight Super Bowls. Win or lose, I'd beat all of them. Okay, what a maniac, certifiable, maybe not certifiable. Um, this pod, I swear, I, I sit down for 30 minutes to do this podcast and my phone blows up for those 30 minutes. All morning, all night, no problems. But the 30 minutes I sit down for this damn thing. Uh, I'd love if Lions made the fourth street Super Bowls, win or lose, right? Um I'd say he's sort of, he wasn't certifiable in the 70s, but sure as hell would be today. But he had a great point, right? He would have loved. He's like, I'll go to all four. I'd go to all four Lions Super Bowls, even if they kept losing. Uh, also, so many great teams had to lose, lose, lose before making it. Coach K at Duke, uh, the Atlanta Braves. The Dodgers lost three World Series in the 70s before finally winning two in the 80s. Just countless, man. It's just countless. 
when the Redskins <coughs> went on their um, first title run in 1982. They're about to win their divisional game, I think, against the Vikings. Uh, their next opponent would be the Dallas Cowboys, who was their nemesis for decades. Dallas, who had been to 20 years worth of Super Bowls and NFC championships and NFL title games, five Super Bowls in the 70s, and the crowded RFK, the Washington Redskins. They're chanting, we want Dallas. We want Dallas. We want Dallas. The stadium is shaking. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And if I'm Dallas, I'm like, I don't want to face that team. It's like Mr. T and Rocky Three. You're like, this guy's too hungry. He wants my ass too much. Which was right about the same time, I think, 82, 83. Just the hunger and talent and matchup. Um, so Redskins dispose of Dallas the following week and go on to win the Super Bowl and then win two more Super Bowls after that. Three different quarterbacks. I think they've been to five. They're three out of five, just like the Raiders. But but just that crowd wanting Dallas. Like, they had lost to Dallas or just been you know denied by them so much and they're like we want them we want them just like Madden when they're about to go face the Steelers after they'd lost to them like two or three straight years in the AFC title game uh or two out of three years in the playoffs and he's like damn it we got to go through Pittsburgh to get this okay um anyway to get to that point, those winning organizations weren't always winners. Tom Landry, of the, the coach of the Cowboys, had several heartbreaking losses before the Cowboys got there. In the last dance with Michael Jordan, he was trying to get past the Pistons for years. They talk about that. Who were trying to get past the Celtics, who were trying to get past the Sixers. So, anyway, so it's a lot easier to swallow those losses when you've come back and won. I think with the Bills, the only time I thought they were a letdown was that fourth Super Bowl when they were winning in the first half against the Cowboys at halftime. And... They were just kind of spent and over it. Some of the Cowboys talk about going in the locker room. They're like, these guys, they're winning right now. We got them. We got them. They don't look like they want to be here. They ended up playing poorly and losing in the second half. After a blowout the year before against the same team, they had a chance of redemption. These men, these men wanted to settle. All, always thought um, they could have won the bookend Super Bowls. They were in the first one and the last one. Um, but it, in that first one against the uh, Giants, never should have come down to the final drive. They should have won that game by 10. Who was the architect behind stopping that vaunted Bills offense back in 1990? Bill Belichick. Then the universe put Brady and Belichick together a decade later. That's unbelievable. I bet. And Brady wins another one this year with Tampa. Put the money on it. I bet. I bet. They're just so focused. We've talked about this on previous, podca- on previous episodes. All right, we've got about four minutes left. Um, I bet they win it, though. They've just got too many leaders as players. They've got, like, players that are coaches. And when you have that and everybody's serious from day one, forget about it. Uh, Wow. Welcome to another episode of the NFL with Patrick Keene. Just raking in the listeners. Just millions, right? So many other countries, this podcast, and so many others would be taken down by now. Okay, so really quick, the summation of this episode is that you take aim in life. You pursue aspirations. You either win and come out ahead or you learn, right? You don't lose. You win, come out ahead, or you learn. It's life, so the game lasts a long time. There is no finite finish line, right? Losing and learning both start with letter L and end with I-N-G. Pathetic, kind of cheesy, but true. Uh, Even the comedians I know who aren't funny after several years, 
I don't know if you can call them comedians, but they've been doing it for over 20 years and still don't get paid and just don't really get booked and they don't get it and it's never going to happen and they just don't connect with audiences. I see it all the time. I'm like, how have you been doing this for three decades or two or 10 years? Do, do you even get a laugh? Do you even connect with a group of people on a thought? Um, okay, so they have but they do they do i have to say they have some insight as to who's funny some insight on how to run a show some insight on human understanding that's insight they wouldn't already have so labeling something a life success or an overall failure should probably involve a broader scope right it's not all dependent upon how you did as an athlete in junior high and high school it's not how big of a house you have or how big the car collection is right i've met so many couples who are both actors in LA or New York who barely scrape by, but they're so supportive of each other, both in love with each other and what they're trying to do and both fun and good at what they do. And most importantly are good people who enjoy life. Okay. What it's all about. Uh, God, I remember seeing kids growing up. They were different. They're weird. They weren't good at sports, but still had self-esteem. I'm like, what's going on there? What's that about? That's weird. Okay. So the term making it wrapping this up. Okay. Got a minute left. So the term making it is relative. I'm in South Orange County among a very affluent group that does not mess around when it comes to lavish lifestyles. That's the goal. Doesn't matter how you get it. Not comedy, not writing a script, not expo you know, it, it's the lavish lifestyle. All right, everything else, it's like, oh, you're good spiritually or you're a good person. Like, mm, okay. You get looked at funny for not going to Hawaii for a week in the summer. Like, what's wrong with you? Why did you choose something so unstable as show business to do that? Look, I can go work in Hawaii. Can you? Why did I choose something so unstable as show business? The answer is I don't know, actually. Because some of these lives look pretty good, um, these guard gates. But uh, I don't want to own a three-story house and not know anything about any of the countries that the furniture or artifacts are from. There's no point to that, right? So... Um, making it is once your artistic endeavor is making a livable wage, as if you were a school teacher, office manager, busing at a restaurant, then you're making it right. Less than 1% can do that. Then if you get riches from that, all the more power to you. But we only look at the most successful, don't we? In these different fields, someone in real estate or medicine may consider you a failure because you're not Seinfeld or Chappelle. Well, Maybe they're a failure for not being Trump or Fauci. Okay, some out loud thinking there. That's all this podcast is. Um, so, yeah. Why aren't you making Ch Chappelle, Ch Seinfeld? Those are the only two comedians I watch. Really? Okay, well, the only person I'm going to get real estate from is Trump and medical advice, Fauci. Okay, so I hope you get something out of this. All right, I hope so. Making it versus not making it. It's a very gray area. Um. I hope I get something out of it. I have no idea. I was in Arizona last week. Shows were hot. It's a dry humor. Thank you very much. Show next Wednesday, August 11th in San Clemente. I'll get the details out later to my millions of listeners. Shows at the Irvine Improv with Chad Daniels at the end of the month, 27th and 28th. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Chad Daniels, one of my favorites. Keen on Things Podcast, guys. Keen of Comedy on Instagram. Hit me up and tell me I sent you. Isn't that a good catchphrase, phrase line thing? All right. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks so much.